You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday morning, so it's time to look at the newspapers with my ex-boss, the South African newspapers, that is, with my ex-boss, Katie Katapodis, who's the co-founder of Nala Media in Johannesburg. Katie, I've been searching for headlines that really grabbed me from South Africa, and I think mercifully things have quietened down a bit recently. Well, in terms of xenophobic attacks, they've definitely quietened down, Lindsay. There was a moment on Saturday, though, where President Cyril Ramaphosa attended the memorial service for um, the late Robert Mugabe in Zimbabwe, Mm. and he was booed by the crowd. So that was one indication that um, our fellow African brothers and sisters are not happy with what is happening in terms of the xenophobic attacks. I must say all hats off to the president because... Um, he could have ignored it. He could have just sent his condolences to Robert Mugabe, his family and uh, colleagues and friends. But instead, he addressed the issue head on and he apologized to those gathered in the stadium in Zimbabwe for the xenophobic attacks in South Africa. And what began as a booing of the president ended up, Lindsay, with an applause of the president. So um, clearly he managed he managed to turn that situation around there. It really does show you how sentiment can change with just one gesture, with just one event. And um, I'll come to the event that is potentially short-term changing for South Africa as well in, in a moment once we've done local news. But what is your view on uh, Mugabe? Because I have to reveal my age now. I was in my teens at a Um, a grammar school in the leafy suburbs of Surrey in England when the Zimbabwe revolution took place, if you like, and Robert Mugabe, amongst a few of my more enlightened fellow pupils, were uh, Robert Mugabe was, was a hero, and he quite quickly, I think, went from hero, freedom hero, to quite simply unhinged dictator. And, you know, uh, one man's hero is another, is another man's unhinged dictator, as you rightly say, Lindsay. Uh, a lot of mixed reaction coming in um, about the life, the times, the death of Robert Gabriel Mugabe. If we have a look at the reaction and the political reaction in South Africa, if I have a look at the EFF specifically, uh, they laud Robert Mugabe as an absolute hero, um, ignoring, if you ask me, much of what has happened um, in the past few years. This is a man who left his country absolutely poverty-stricken. Zimbabweans cannot buy things off the shelves as we speak today because it's simply so expensive. The economy is in ruins, um, and it really is a very, very sad state of affair for many, many Zimbabweans, for hundreds of thousands of Zimbabweans, actually. However, the EFF continues to laud him and um, and to call him a great leader in Africa. So it's been very much of a mixed reaction. I think it says a lot about Robert Mugabe that he died in a hospital in Singapore Paul, that his own healthcare system in his own country was so depleted and so destroyed that um, they, they essentially could not help the former leader um, in his own country. Um, reports doing the rounds also suggest that he, he spent approximately 12 million rand yeah. um, receiving treatment in the Singaporean hospital. So I think that speaks absolute volumes. We're also seeing for the very first time images of Robert Mugabe's residence in Zimbabwe. I don't know if you've seen these pictures, but this house is not a house by any stretch of the imagination. It is a palace. It's an absolute palace. And one needs to juxtapose 
the visuals of that palace with the many, many starving Zimbabweans today. There are some people, of course, that say, well, he's the leader and therefore he should have these luxuries and it's actually seen as a positive. And uh, the same with the EFF. Uh, certain of their leaders have been accused of being a little bit uh, profligate with their spending. Uh, but people say, well, they should do because they're the leaders and they're, they're admired because of it. But anyway, that's a, that's a cultural issue that we need not get into. But yes, I saw that story about uh, Mugabe spending 80,000 rand per day to have this treatment in Singapore. And I would have thought as a 95-year-old, uh, you'd say to yourself, well, let's just, uh, let's just go out uh, w with some dignity. What do you think is going to happen to his money, though, Katie? I mean, he must have billions stashed away in different places. It would be very interesting if someone did a forensic check on where that money is and who is going to inherit it. Well, the figure that's doing the rounds that's being bandied about, Lindsay, is two billion US dollars um, that that he's got. That is unconfirmed, but that is what is being suggested. And of course, who's going to get it? Well, one Grace Mugabe is still very much alive and well, is she not? Yes, and probably kicking as well, and we'll continue to kick. Gavin Watson, tell us this background to Gavin Watson before you tell us the story that has caught your eye this weekend. So this is a really, really interesting story that appeared in uh, the Sunday World newspaper yesterday and which um, is certainly uh, making for much discussion today, uh, suggesting that Gavin Watson, the late Bosasa boss, and I'll tell you why Bosasa is important in the context of the story and the grand scheme of things in South African politics at the moment. The story was that Gavin Watson, who died on the 26th of August in a car crash, was actually dead before the car crashed. Now, let me give you some very, very quick context and background here, Lindsay. Gavin Watson was the, the former boss of Bosasa. Bosasa has been accused of, oh, goodness, where does one even start? Of a whole lot of corruption, of bankrolling ANC officials. Uh, one of their former senior employees appeared at the State Capture Commission in which he told quite harrowing tales of how cash was just, and when we say cash, we mean millions of rands in cash, was simply being handed out left, right, and center to ANC officials to buy favors. There's talk of tenders in which nothing was ever um, uh, 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 delivered, and also tenders which were just renewed years and years and years after they were first granted, which, um, which gave Basasa millions and millions of rands. Um, so very much a central figure in South African politics um, in, the current, in the current environment. And on the 26th of August, Gavin Watson was killed in a car accident. Yes. And lots of speculation about whether or not this was assisted suicide and whether or not he wanted to, to kill himself or ask somebody else to kill him because of all these very, very damning and damaging allegations and because that he was expected to appear before the tax commission the day after he died. So lots of speculation doing the rounds and the latest forensic investigation um, by the family, I must tell you, shows that he was dead before the car crashed. This, again, doesn't answer many things, but it does leave us asking many more questions as well. So did he have a heart attack? Was his body planted in the vehicle? Uh, what exactly happened before Gavin Watson died? This remains a big South African mystery at the moment. Yeah, it is a South African mystery, and it takes me back to those days when Brett Kebble was apparently murdered in an assisted suicide environment, if you see what I mean. That was a clumsy way to put it, but you know what I mean. 
absolutely right. And the comparisons were being drawn with Brett Kevill and Gavin Watson from the very, very beginning. Brett Kevill hiring a group of gunmen to actually shoot him in what he'd hoped would look like a hijacking. But, um, but the gunmen um, left traces to show that, in fact, it wasn't just a hijacking. They didn't do it intentionally, I must add. And eventually they were, um, they were caught, they were arrested. But they're all out on the street today, if we, if we uh, remember that story, because they all signed a deal with the state, essentially. Katie, let's go to the international news now. And it will have a very big impact on South Africa if the tensions are ratcheted up between the United States and Iran. Because over the last 24 hours, there have been two drone attacks on Aramco facilities in Saudi Arabia. Aramco, a giant, giant and influential oil company. It's the state-owned oil company of Saudi Arabia, the world's, well, the OPEC's biggest producer, let's put it that way. And around about 5 million barrels per day have been affected. In other words, they are going to have big trouble trying to put these barrels back online. Yemen has been blamed, or Yemen claimed responsibility for it, but the intelligence suggests that it was too sophisticated for the Yemenis, the Houthis in Yemen, to have perpetrated this crime. And so, of course, Iran has been fingered. And Mr. Trump, I can't remember the exact uh, phraseology that he employed, but it was something like, the, the trigger is cocked and uh, we're ready to pull it. And if that happened, Locked my and loaded. goodness Locked me. Locked and loaded, I think he said. That's Lindsay. exactly right well done yes locked and loaded i mean that's fighting talk i mean that's so unnecessary i mean calm the situation down say things like we've got loads of oil in our reserves we can flood the market with oil to keep the oil price down to protect the consumer etc but no he says locked and loaded the oil price immediately went up 11 12 percent it's only up nine percent now but that's a big nine percent and that affects the south african consumer it affects monetary policy from the south african reserve bank it weakens the rand and so it goes on I think we, I think there's a there's a long road ahead of us. I saw it being described this weekend as a devastating attack, and I think that is absolutely the right way to say it. It is a devastating attack. We already see our local currency, the rand, which gained last week. I must say, gained really nicely. Um, we see analysts and economists warning that the rand is going to tumble, as you've rightly said, as a result of this attack. Yemen claiming responsibility, but the United States will have none of it. They're insisting that it is, in fact, Iran behind this, uh, behind this attack. Katie Katapodis is the co-founder of Nala Media, and that was a rep of the news. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.